Hello and welcome to Project 99. It is March 14th, 2021. Um, pie day. Pie day. As oh, you yeah. just told me. 3.14. <laughs> pie day. <laughs> I Which, had no pie today. I have to make a pie for tomorrow for my anniversary. Aww. Which I, I'm not married yet, but I was proposed to tomorrow will be one year ago. So I'm going to count that as my anniversary. I'm going to make a cherry pie. Cheese pie, cherry pie. <laughs> All right. Flashback. Enough of this. Warrant. <laughs> you know like how many pedophile songs they had in the 80s? A lot. She's only 17. Who like, was the guy that wrote one about like a 13-year-old? He was like, I know she's only 13. Um, who the fuck was it? I don't know. That's way, way, way. No, way. no. He's one of those guys that uh, Trump's all buddy-buddy with. Was Ted Nugent? Bro? Ted Nugent. Oh, Ted Nugent. I think it's Ted Nugent. Ted Nugent's just gross, man. Yeah, he wrote like some song about a girl being like only 13. <sighs> but yeah, like they were, but then they also had like the Hot for Teacher song, which was like about a boy who was lusting after his teacher. They had a lot of like MILF songs and like boys macking on their adult, their friends' adult moms, you know, like that, with that whole like age thing in the 80s was apparently like a very big gray area <laughs> that nobody was worried about yeah ted nugent wrote a song called jail bait and one of the lyrics is well i don't care if you're just 13 you look too good to be true i just know that you're probably clean there's one thing i got to do to you Ew. Yeah. no joke that's the literal <sighs> lyrics ted nugent <sighs> yeah so there's that and you know I, I never liked ted nugent even though like i'm a second amendment supporter and he's like all about guns like i just like He's just so gross. Like For I all just, the people that are like, save our children. They sure fucking supported the hell out of yeah. him as soon as he was friends with Trump. I'm like, dude. Well, there's a whole creepy side to that. Anyways, we don't get on to that. Okay. Yeah. What do we have for local news? Let's start there. <sighs> local news. We have another body in the river. This is going to be a weekly thing. I know. This is like probably how many times have we started out like our local news is a body in the river. When we remember to do the local news thing, it's there's been a body in the river. So. Um, this one, unfortunately, I think was a suicide because I was listening to the scanner and I heard, um, you know, people on the bank witnessed an individual go into the water, um, and actively called the police. The police here have around the Wheeling area. We live, there's an island in the middle of the river. People live on the island. Uh, people frequently go in the river, be it boating accidents, whatever. So they have a rescue boat. They took the boat out. Um, went to the area where the person was last seen, but you know, a drowning is going to happen. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen pretty quickly. Um, so the chance of getting there, if it was like not an accident is pretty small or if it was like a small child or something. So they said this person was either a juvenile or a very small adult. And, um, at the same time that, that, um, call was happening a man called 911 because his daughter had texted him and said suspension bridge and that was all that was in the text message so um the police were like you know relaying information from him to the to the officers on the scene and um then they ended up finding a body they they did find her car also at a local hotel that's really close to the riverbank so i mean i can't confirm it was a suicide but there's been nothing on the news about it and you know I think they're just being privacy, and it, it's sad. And the only reason I mention is because, you know, it's sad when it, when a person takes her own life. I mean, it's, anytime it's sad, sad when somebody dies, but a person takes her own life, it's just like, you know, tragic. Like there's nothing that you know what I mean you could do. The most horrifying thing about 
that entire situation to me too is that like I've just read so read and watched videos, movies, interviews, all these different things about people who survive when they try to commit suicide and they talk about the regret they feel like immediately after they do it. Mm -hmm. Um, which obviously if you die, then it doesn't matter. But like, Mm -hmm. I just kept thinking about how, um, if it was a suicide and she jumped off that obviously people who called the police said they heard someone screaming for help. And I'm Mm -hmm. just like, Oh God, like it's just fucking wrenches my stomach. And like, again, brings me back to bitching about the fact that when OVMC closed here, that the only inpatient that we had locally for mental health is gone now i mean they we still have northwood but they have very very limited beds um and they're they also deal with a lot of like drug issues there too so you know it's just it's just not enough you got all these people in the valley i mean and you just took away the one mental health place where people could actually go Mm -hmm. if they were at risk of committing suicide which i'm sure if they like went to the hospital or called the police that they would find somewhere to take them but it's just you know as a person who's like considering it to just think in your head, like, well, I can't go to that place that I used to go because it's gone now. Right. You know, it just seems like, That's rough, I don't man. know. That's really it's rough. It's awful. I was only on two um, gunshot calls when I was an EMT that I remember, two that I remember off the top of my head. And um, one of them was an attempted suicide. And um, the gentleman had um, shot himself in the mouth and he did not die. Oof. And, um, you know... It, it, like I said, it's, it's a horrible thought to encounter that somebody would reach a level of desperation where they would, you know, do that. But then he lived and obviously had severe traumatizing injuries and disfigurement. Um, and a few years later, he, he successfully did kill himself. And it's just really, it's really, t- suicide is just an unspoken horror. It's horrific. Know? Like we don't, there's not enough attention paid to it um, for all the people that, talk about you know gun deaths if you would eliminate gang violence and you know suicide <laughs> that's that's a huge portion right there of gun deaths but so anyway feel bad for that person that i don't even know who they are but i still feel bad for yeah them. i'm actually glad too. like there was nothing on the news about it and i was just like good you know what i mean well yeah like let's just not turn this into a story that you know local news is going to post on facebook so so people can make fucking ignorant ass comments right like i just i'm just glad i'm just glad well, a lot of times the news a lot of times the news gets the they get the news the same way we do they listen to police scanner and, right you know they'll they'll put it out there that they're looking for a body in the river because sometimes a person who falls in floats they swim as long as they can and they grab onto something and they're on the riverbank like hanging on right and so like other boaters and people will go out and look for that person and sometimes find them so Sometimes there is like this alert that goes out, like there's a body, someone in the river. Um, but I don't even know if the news put that out. I think they did. I think they did say that they had uh, search and rescue in the water, but mm-hmm. then there was zero update about it. So I was just yeah. like, but I don't know, probably best. I mean, the same thing too. I don't remember how many years ago it was. Maybe you remember it, but um, someone, it was before OV was closed, I believe, but someone jumped off of the parking garage. And there was nothing on the about news that. about it. And the only reason I even heard about it, not I wasn't listening to the scanner, but um, someone who was a friend of the office was talking about like their daughter's car got damaged mm. in the process. And I guess all that was happened, they just they just like showed up with hoses and just like washed it all away. And I was like, oh my god, it's like so horrific. Yeah. I don't know. You would think as like a community that I don't know that they would do something. You know what I mean? Like put some resources out to something like i don't know i mean this just gotta shake so many people up yeah well like you said when you reach out for help it shouldn't be as hard as it is That's absolutely absolutely 
So then we got statewide news, which is uh, Jim Justice has his uh, tax bill plan, which is going to raise the purchase tax when you buy things, sales tax. But it's supposed to eliminate like personal income tax. And I guess he's getting some backlash from farmers, which there are an inordinate number of farmers in West Virginia. Something about the way the bill doesn't, um, you know, benefit them because their farm, the way the farm, farm operates under the laws of business, it's going to hurt them. So yet another glitch in his plan. Um, I don't know how far he's going to get with it, but. And then also uh, Secretary of State Mac Warner is against H.R. 1, shocker there, um, which is the bill that was introduced by the House um, to increase access to the ballot box. They want to increase mail-in, you know, people's different ways to vote and also, you know, make it automatic. Like, you don't have to go register to vote. It's like when you turn 18, you register to vote. Things like that. Like, just to eliminate all these obstacles that Republicans keep throwing up to try to keep people from voting. So, Mac Warner said he's against it. (laughs) And it's like, okay, I'll make a mental note, vote against him, because, you know. But his argument is that state legislatures should control the election process. My thing is, fair rules should control the election process. And the way that the state legislatures controlled by Republicans have continually made it more partisan to try and keep Democrats from voting is out of control. So this federal bill is supposed to help eliminate that. So... If you care about voting in democracy, remember to vote against Mac Warner next time he runs for office. Uh, national news, we got George Floyd's family got a $27 million lawsuit against the uh, Minneapolis Police Department. And Derek Chauvin, is, his trial is imminent. They are picking jurors as we speak. I think they have had six last time I heard. So it's, it's kind of an arduous process because they're trying to find people who can still at this point have an open mind. Um, Good luck with that. But, um, you know, when people talk about defunding the police, uh, these lawsuits are, I'm sure, making a dent. You think? In the budget? Mm, I don't know. I mean, there's insurance policies, right? But at the same time, like, you know what happens when you have a car accident. (laughs) Your insurance rate goes up, right? So if you're the Minneapolis Police Department and you got to pay $27 million I mean, but do they really care? Because then they'll just raise the taxes so that they can get the proper funding. I mean. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's one of the bigger problems. Politicians are never like, oh, let's cut funding for police because it just looks bad. So, I mean, if the police department tells whoever's in office, like, we need more money, they're just going to find a place to get it from. Well, I mean, the, you know, elected officials... The police aren't elected, but the elected officials are. Right, exactly. So I just think that people need to start realizing as part of that is that just because an elected official says, listen, we might uh, cut the police budget, you know, we need to stop getting into the cycle where we let police hold us hostage with shit like, oh, well, we don't have the funding we want to buy fucking SWAT gear that we don't really need. Then we just, you know, we can't respond to calls properly. Like, nah, fuck that. Mm -hmm. I want to hear from you that you're going to do the absolute best that you can and know that you mean it. Let's not play games right. with we're going to hold you guys hostage. Yeah, it shouldn't be It shouldn't be a power struggle. It should be a cooperative effort. So let's hope that people can figure out some way to work together because 
the system ain't working the way it is. Yeah, but I would definitely say that um, if an elected official ever says something like, well, maybe we need to examine how much we're giving the police or we need to look at the police budget or something, don't immediately like freak out and be like, oh God, if they like, just by the fact that they're saying that means we're not going to have cops anymore. Like if people get so knee jerk about that. I think they need to just make some kind of um, tie between, you know, like the officers who are causing the insurance rates to go up because of their bad calls. Like they need to make some kind of rule that they're going to bear responsibility for it. Because, you know, if, if I'm a driver and my actions, I continually drive recklessly, I'm going to pay the the price for that. So that's what they need to do is just tie you it to. What my mind, too, is it's like when I have these conversations with people about the police, it always seems like the people who are the most afraid, afraid that are like, oh, if we put too much, you know, restriction on police officers, then there just won't be any more. And they're like so terrified are also the people that don't ever deal with the police. I feel like everyone I know who's ever had to call the police for something, um, they have a similar opinion, which is the police really don't do all that much. Like, I mean, if, you, if you're in immediate danger, then call the police and they can probably uh, remedy this, maybe remedy the situation. Um, but, like, <laughs> I mean, other than that, they're just people who take reports. You know what I mean? Well, <clears throat> police officers are just like any other person in a job. You know, there's good teachers, there's bad teachers. There's, you know, good police and bad police. There's people that get up and they go and they, they like police work because they like the excitement of entering a situation that's different every single time and diffusing that situation. Some people love that aspect of the job. You know, you can't diffuse every situation, but the challenge of trying to diffuse a really crazy situation and walking away with nobody hurt. I mean, when I did security to a smaller extent that, I like that part of the job. There's good people in these jobs that want to the challenge of of um, of de-escalating situations. But then there's some that are on a power trip. So that's all I'm saying is we just got to separate them out and, you know, really praise good police officers because they're, it, it is a hard job, you know. So if you're doing it well, you should get praise. But if you're some guy who wants a badge and a gun so you can bully people, like you don't need to even be a police officer. So we just got to separate them out and get better systems to separate them. So, in international news, <clears throat> we have uh, the situation in Myanmar is continuing to devolve. And, um, you know, there was a military coup there. Was it like February 2nd or something? Sometime in February. And um, now the military is in control of the government and people are coming out protesting. They've arrested many uh leaders of the political party that is opposite the military and um, some of them have now died in custody of suspicious suspicious circumstances and it's believed that they've tortured some of them Um, there was a young girl who was pretty famous in social media over there she went by the name of Angel and she was at a protest this past week and um, was shot in the head she died so You know, her family mourned her and she was buried and then for some reason the government went and dug her up out of her grave and filled it with concrete. Oh god. So I don't I'm not really sure like what the reason for that was, but um so it's just for for it's just more outrage and hurt in that country and I I hope that our country intervenes. I mean, I know they've put sanctions on the military people there, but um I don't know really what we can do. I don't want to see us get involved in a military conflict, but at the same time, like, 
I just feel like we have a good way of getting our way about things when we want to. And um, I, I hope that we can help the people of Myanmar because it's really bad. Also, the same thing about Yemen, because we did an episode talking about the war in Yemen. And um, it's between the Houthis and the Saudis. And um, the conditions there, because they've been in a war and they've had the virus like everywhere, have just degenerated and there's they're now, you know, at the level of famine. I mean, there's babies in hospitals dying because they're just starving to death. And, you know, we can fly over countries and drop bombs. And I just feel like we should make use of our military and fly over and drop food. Because, you know, as much as we all are sitting out here like, man, we want to get our stimulus checks and, you know, everybody's kind of looking forward to that relief. And some people, to greater or lesser extent, like, desperately need that relief. You know, the conditions there are just... I mean, it's just unfathomable. It's inhuman. And there was... CNN did a report where they showed, like, truck trucks full of um, food that were headed to the famine. And they ran out of gas. Because Saudi's blockading them from getting any fuel. You know, that's the power they have is fuel power yeah which i I see very little hope for us helping in that situation because we love the saudis so we're not gonna interfere you know biden's taking kind of the democrat position on that that we are not going to back the saudis and their war against duties um so but what are we really gonna do to help that's what i'm (laughs) waiting to see like i mean people need to pressure our government i realize we have our own internal issues to worry about but um you know, we've contributed to a lot of these problems around the world. And, you know, just like uh, the situation at the border, I'm sure that everyone's aware of the the flood of migrants that are coming across the border right now. Um, and whether Fox News tells you that no, one's re- no one else is reporting about it, CNN's been doing extensive reporting about it and has shown video of people flooding across the Rio Grande. So everybody's aware that there's a massive flood of migrants right now and part of it is because of of because they were afraid to come when trump was here and some people say well good trump scared them and they quit coming here i mean ripping babies out of their mom's arms when they're not even old enough to understand what's going on as an intimidation tactic if you have to do that to make people not come here if their situation at home is so bad that you have to rip their children away from them to convince them to not come here i don't that's that's not for me but um you know, now Biden is struggling to deal with the fact that he has promised to deal with them more humanely, to not separate them from their children. Um, and the coyotes, human smugglers, are booming right now. They're getting rich right now off these people's backs. And it's really, it's sad. It's sad in every single aspect. Um, but I, I really hope that our government will, you know, just like drugs, you can arrest the users, but their lives are already being destroyed by their own actions. How are you going to punish someone whose life is already being destroyed by their own actions? But the dealers, the people at the top, the producers, the people that's manufacturing the drugs, like that's the people you really need to take out. And I feel like these human smugglers are, you know, those are the people. Why can't we figure out who they are? Like we have the CIA. We have, <clears throat> we have all these Homeland Security. We have all these intelligence services. It seems like when an election's going on, we can find out when somebody last got their nails done. Somebody can find out that shit on somebody else 
in a heartbeat through private security stuff. But we can't find out who these human smugglers are. I don't know. So the other thing, too, I wanted to mention while we were talking about that is there's been a um, social media just viral posts about people complaining about, um, you know, what about these kids in cages and, you know, they're still in cages under Biden and blah, 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 blah. And he's they talked about they're talking about this um, surge facility. Mm-hmm. that Biden reopened um, says it houses up to 700 immigrant teenagers who crossed the U.S.-Mexico border without their parents. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of getting sick of seeing this. This this is what they're talking about, but they're trying to frame it like it's the same thing that happened under Trump. And the difference between it is is that they're not separating these kids from their parents and then putting them in a facility. Right. These are these are children mm-hmm. who came over without any parents. Right. Um, so I don't know what we're... I mean, that, there's a huge difference in that. Kid comes over, okay, what are we going to do with them? Put them in this facility is very different than ripping a ch- kid away from their right. parent. I mean, it's all fucking horrific. But let's just... Right. You know what I mean? Let's just... I don't like the misleading bullshit right. let's just be upfront about what the actual facts are here well and right now there are they are um you know homeland security is trying to work with fema to come up with emergency housing for them that's better than what they've been you know dealing with and again like you're saying like i don't want to play politics with it but you know going to a facility where a kid's sleeping on a, a floor with a tinfoil blanket and saying well that's sufficient to at least making an effort to look at what their conditions are and say we need to do better than this like well these short-term facilities are um you know not as good as the long-term facilities and that's kind of the problem is that the short-term ones aren't held to the same guidelines so you see shit like that Mm -hmm. and it's not i mean it's not okay and we need to do better there's no reason why we can't do better i mean this country really has no excuse if you look at our military budget we really have no excuse for any of this fucking bullshit Mm -hmm. there's no reason that you know, out of the entire pandemic, what so total? What do we get now? Uh, Thirty-two hundred bucks mm-hmm. for stimulus relief over a year that mm-hmm. we've had COVID going on. I mean, there's no excuse for that. There's no, there's no excuse for any of this shit. You know, these these horrible conditions they have these kids in. I don't care if they're 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 Americans or not. Right. Like we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be this great example of the world. But like, all we do is make fucking excuses. So I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Any president that is overseeing any type of horrible conditions and just being like, oh, our hands are tied, you're a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care what side you're on. But I also don't like misleading <clears throat> shit, and I hate that people are posting this. Like, Right. I mean, it's it's a different kind of shit. Let's just be real about it. Well, and, you know, we said this when Trump was in office that, you know, he should be working with the president of Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua all these countries um he should be talking to them and finding out what the conditions are in their country why they're why are your people fleeing to the united states like um you know and work with them as neighbors but instead it's just like inflammatory comments on twitter inflammatory like let's show the caravans right before the 2018 election as a propaganda tool to make people go vote for republican like they just seem to use the caravans as like uh, they wanted them so they could say, oh, look, Mexicans are coming to take your job. Like, I don't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I, I want to see Biden do more. I want to see him, you know, not only deal with a crisis at the border in a humane way, but also step up his efforts with the State Department and working with these other countries because you cannot 
ever stop the people from coming here entirely. All you're going to do is make it more horrible and more dangerous for them to come here. And if it wasn't horrible and dangerous where they lived, they wouldn't be coming here. So you're, all you're doing is putting them between one horrible, dangerous predicament and another. And that's not what the United States should be about. You know, if you, if you don't want to say, you know, these people should become citizens here or whatever, then you, then you greet them and you take their names, you get information from them, you put it, make a process. I mean, come on people. It's, it's 2021. We can't get people and, and get, a, get a fingerprint, you know, to identify somebody. We can't, we can't do that. We can't start a database. Like, I don't, I don't get what the problem is here. Like why we can't give these people a name and a number and a, like, so we know who they are. So they aren't quote undocumented. They are documented people. And then if, if we want to say like their status is this or that later, okay. But like, I don't understand like this whole, like, I, I don't understand why it's so fucking hard. I guess I don't. The most ridiculous part about it too is just politics as usual, where there's really no original ideas being brought on how we can fix this. It's just the same back and forth bullshit. There, nobody's really looking for an answer or solution to the problem. Yeah, maybe we should ask AI because that's what our topic is about tonight. <laughs> I think that's all I got for international news. You have anything else? No. So we wanted to kind of get off politics other than just our news, uh, introductory news stories and talk about a topic. And we were going to do a conspiracy, but we're still deciding like what would be a really like tasty one to do. So um, we kind of came up with just talking about AI because... I think AI is fucking scary. <laughs> like, it's as scary as any conspiracy theory out there, and it's like, and it's for real. So, I tried to look up, like, some positives of AI because I'm so AI negative. Um, and these were, like, the things that were put out there as positives. So, Siri and Alexa. <laughs> right, yeah. Now, on the positive. Google. Got Google in there, too. On the positive, I will say that the fact that kids today can, rather than sit down and type something, can ask a phone a question and get an answer is actually a really good thing. Because a lot of kids, their parents aren't home a lot of the time, you know, and it's safer than the internet. Just God knows when you type something on the internet, what's going to pop off. Your parents haven't put some kind of filter on there. So, you know, if you ask Siri, like, you know, Siri, how far is it to the moon? Like, if you stop and think about a kid asking an adult in their family questions about just life, like, why is the sky blue? Like, a kid could learn so much just by asking Siri and Alexa questions. Um, when I first got the internet, I thought, I thought of it as a giant library. I was like, oh my God, this is like, this is like every single book in the world is like in my house. Like, <laughs> I was completely, I, I actually never stopped being amazed about the fact that this little device in front of me connects me to the entire world. Like that didn't exist when I was a kid, you know, so it never stops fascinating me. But the AI aspect is pretty scary. And I remember the first time Juke talked to her phone in front of me and I was like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I was asking Siri a question. I was like, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't talk to that thing around me. <laughs> She's like, seriously, you're a weirdo. And I was just like, I don't know. Like, and, 
And my brother still gets freaked he out by is it. serious about like he tells his daughter who's five like siri is a robot not a person like you have to know the difference between robots and people because he's like so anti-ai and like maybe he's had an influence on me and that's why i'm kind of anti-ai <laughs> but <laughs> yeah he unplugs my alexa every time he comes to my house i mean which is, makes me makes me laugh because i'm just like you know i have a phone too like like we've all <laughs> talked about before about being spied on by our devices and we all know that we're being spied on period right? yeah. end of story um we all know that social media twitter we've we did a whole show on this it, it's always tracking your responses and learning from you how to screw with your mind basically um so i already feel like the algorithms and the things that are out there are already manipulating us in a very bad way so it's kind of like if you ask me, well, what do you think about the future of AI? Well, I already don't like it. It's not even the worst. It's not even advanced to the worst possible scenario yet. And I already don't like it. Um, so we got the self-driving car, right? People are, some people love the self-driving, the self-monitoring. Uh, um, I don't like it. Maybe it's because I'm old fashioned, but like Sean's new car has this assist driving they call it driving assist mm, yeah i've heard of it but like he can take his hands off the steering wheel not when i'm in the car <laughs> but he likes to show like how it can go like around these bends like without him doing it and i'm like stop like i just just drive the car like what else are you doing when you're in a car like you should be driving the car mm-hmm. but um i watched a video where they were training a computer to parallel park a car and it was really funny because they talked about how they teach a computer something. First, they just um, basically like give it sensors and put it in an artificial environment and they just let it make mistakes. And then they go, eh, that's wrong. So if the, the only two parameters they put on this car, this model car and the side of the computer was um, if you park in the spot, the closer you get to the spot, the more points you get. It's a positive reinforcement. But if you hit things or, you know, there were other things that were like negatives. So, and I watched this and they had to let this computer parallel park this car like 400,000 times before it got it right. And I was like, okay, so it's supposed to be smarter than us, but yet it had to do that shit 400,000 times. Like, you know how many times I had to try to parallel park? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on whether you had a parent to smack you upside the head when you don't do it, right? But, um... 400,000 times. And like sometimes, like as it started learning, it would just shove another car out of a spot. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, you got in a spot, (laughs) but that's illegal. (laughs) So it was kind of weird to see a machine trying to learn something with just very few, like this is right, this is wrong. So they did it with video games, um, Asteroid, Pong, they just basically, if if it got, if you lost your life, it was bad. If you if you hit something, if you didn't lose your life, it was good. And the computer just played until it figured out. Like in it, in like overnight with uh, what was it, uh, Galaxy or something? I think where you shoot the Galaga. Galaga, yeah. So it learned to play that better than a human overnight. So I mean, there are some ask, some things it can learn like really fast. But apparently, I don't need to feel bad if I can't back my car into a parking spot very good because. It was like half a million times before the, car, before the computer did it. I was trying to think of uh, that movie. <clears throat> Jovi X like uh, Detective Spooner 
played by uh, Will, Will Smith in mm-hmm. the movie I, Robot. Because, mm-hmm. like, they have all these robots, the artificially right. intelligent robots that, like, they're maids and different stuff. And, like, he, like, doesn't trust them. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he, like, goes to the, like, I think it's his mom's house or something or his grandma or something. And she has one. Mm-hmm. And he, like, gets off his dog. He's like, no, fuck that. Like, what's that's, really, that's how my brother acts. What's really funny is if you get the chance, because you said Will Smith. I'm glad you said that. So there's this robot ai robot called sophia and she has this really human looking face they made some kind of latex of her face oh, yeah, to where she that. when she moves and raises her eyebrows and she blinks she's programmed to blink you know like a human <clears throat> so it's kind of creepy when you watch it but i watched several videos of her trying to kind of acclimate myself to this machine acting like a human and um Tony Robbins, I think he's a entrepreneur and a motivational speaker, but he was interviewing her at like some high muckety-muck uh, get-together they had about technology. And um, it was so weird, you know, and he's asking her like these thought-provoking questions and she's answering them. And I don't know, it was just very like disconcerting. And then there was another video with her where she was interviewed on a talk show. And then there was another video of her where Will Smith... <laughs> It said, Will Smith tries online dating. So if you get a chance to watch that video, it's so funny. He's like talking to her like in the Cayman Islands, like he's da- he's on a date with her. <laughs> and it's just, I can't even tell you like the video watch. It's just hilarious. So, but he tries to kiss her at the end and she just like looks at him and she's like, I will make you my friend. You are on my friends list now. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, I, I read that wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty funny, but... Um, so there's a lot of AI stuff that's been developed for customer service. Like, um, the things on this list were like Cognito and Cognito or, um, and Box Ever, which are like for travel and shit, like to make, to like better figure out how guests like stuff when they travel. Um, and then you got John Paul, which is like an elite concierge, which figures out it's kind of like a travel thing too. And then Amazon, of course has AI to figure out how to make you buy shit, which is crazy because we talked about that too in one episode we did where, you know, um, Amazon, when they started out with the book sales, people were like, I hope you didn't quit your day job. But there's a documentary you can watch about how it grew. And at one point, the company went from being about, you know, being an online distributor to a data service where they were trying to get all this data and figure out like, what makes people finally make a decision to buy? And that's when Amazon kind of like a lot of people that were involved in the company like jump ship because they felt like it was more like mind control than it was about customer service and they just didn't want to be a part of it anymore. But yeah, Amazon is all about your data. They're about trying to figure out like how long you look at an item. Um, You know, obviously they offer you similar items, but like if you put it in your cart and then don't buy it, like all these different computer date like they they assign values to that shit to figure out how to get you to buy shit and i don't like that like if a product is good they'll do all of that but they just won't give people more money (laughs) which would definitely lead to them buying more shit right maybe you should tell them to put that in their fucking algorithm like (laughs) hey you know what if you pay 50 people 15 dollars an hour they'll be able to buy more of your shit yeah that's a good that's a very good point duke thank you for bringing it up so then you got Netflix. 
that represent that like um takes all the movies you watch and figures out what movies you might want to watch. That seems pretty benign. Um, then you got Pandora does the same thing with music. And then you got Nest. <laughs> I have one of those. I love it. That's the I, whole reason I got an Alexa to begin with. That's my brother was like, why would you want to have, have one of those things in your house listening to you all the time? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, so I can lay on my couch and not have to walk the six feet to my thermostat. And I can just be like, Alexa, set the temperature to 72. And she's like, does it like i don't have to get up and he's like you are a lazy piece of shit (laughs) sorry (laughs) maybe i am but it also like learns what time of the day like you're more cold and when you're hot like when you work like it 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 adjusts stuff automatically after a while based on i mean you can get it to do Mm -hmm. i don't know if yours if you've programmed yeah you can set it up to do that all that shit but yeah like learns your comfort zones like when you're home and you can set it for like when you wake up and i mean when you're at work and all kinds of different stuff but so like there's a fundamental difference between and i didn't really understand this till i started researching it but like there's the type of what we call ai where you put a bunch of data out there and you give a computer uh, a program where it analyzes the data and makes decisions based on the data. So like what the Cambridge Analytica stuff did with the election was it looked at your likes, it looked at your shares and your posts and and kind of created a personality profile for you and decided like what things to put in your feed. So the more data that that um, artificial intelligence gained about you, the more accurate it could predict your behavior. So, but that to me, um, I would think of that as artificial intelligence, but according to experts, that's not really artificial intelligence because what is, what it's limited, it's limited to a set of criteria and a program, a machine learning program. So it can never go beyond, it can get more data and be more accurate to, you know, it can, it can run algorithms to say, well, you know, this and that to better predict you, but it can't go beyond that. It can't ever say, it can't ever try stuff and say, well, how does this affect it? True artificial intelligence can learn from different things and change itself. So that ability to self evolve is really what real artificial intelligence is about. And, um, I guess probably the biggest one that I found out about was the Google Deep Mind. <laughs> Ew, that sounds scary. That sounds scary right off the bat because we talked before about how Google got money from the government to develop the CIA to develop shit. But um I guess the Deep Mind, <clears throat> the idea of Deep Mind was first developed in Britain by some like kid prodigy who was like a genius at chess and <clears throat> he went on to do some um video games, which I'm not a gamer, so, uh, it was called Black and White. Hmm, I've never heard of it. It was in 2001, so oh, well, that's a long time ago. Well, I've never heard of it. <laughs> um, his name was Demis Hossabus. <laughs> I'm sorry if I butchered that, but anyway, point of being is that he, de- he developed a game, you know, these really elaborate games that could could kind of learn from your behavior. And then he started this DeepMind project. And he went to um, a university in, in London, and uh, the University College of London, and 
he met other co-founders of the DeepMind project. And they wanted to really figure out how the human mind learns things and develop a mechanical or computerized algorithmic way of learning like we learn. <clears throat> because obviously computers have speed, a speed capacity, right? For a processing capacity that humans, I mean, we have that same capacity, but it's not streamlined. So in other words, when we look at the world and we take in all this data, we're taking in visual data, audio data, we're taking in smells, we are, we're chemically reacting to our environment. So if you actually took that in terms of like gigabytes per second or terabytes per second, whatever you want to say, I'm sure human beings are processing an immeasurable amount of data, like at one time to make a decision. So they wanted to kind of put that into a computer because even if the processing, you know, in time and speed, say would be equivalent to a human, they don't have to sleep. They don't have to eat. They can spend 24 hours a day, you know, learning. They've had these, uh, you know, AI programs go to the internet and download like information about physics and, you know, th and they never forget anything. Yeah, it's like, um, it, it reminds me of uh, in the fifth element, that Bruce Willis movie, um, mm -hmm. where the character that Mia, Mila Jovovich plays, like that Lilu, mm -hmm. she like, um, I don't know, like gets access to all this information from like a TV or computer or something and it like shows her all the shit and of course like, and every movie where they do this, it like shows images of war mm -hmm. and like, they're like so disturbed. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other movie I just, oh, I watched uh, Age of Ultron, the Marvel movie. And it's the same thing. Like it's like this, uh, this, um, I don't know. The guys, the, the thing's name is Vision. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's a, it's a computer. It's basically a computer. Uh, it's like, it's like AI with a body. Um, and uh, it's like the same thing. Like he like views all these things. And I mean, he's like AI. It's a, it's a superhero that's AI. That's what it is. That's what Vision is. Um, and I'm just like, shit, like this shit is getting closer and closer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, what's the scary thing was, okay, so the information I, I was looking up. <clears throat> it just blows my mind that even back, like, Fifth Element, I don't know what year that came out, and then, like, Age of Ultron, which is, like, a way, way newer movie, those concepts are, like, basically the same. Like, it, like almost like we knew that AI was always going to learn that way. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it does learn that way. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. It's scary. It is. It is. It is very scary. And the fact that it learns from, it learns from not, the online version of Encyclopedia Britannica, right? It's learning from its interaction with us on the internet. Like that's scary. And then, so we, you know, we all remember back, well, I do anyways, when the first computer beat the first chess master at chess. And it was like, people were just like stunned and freaked out by that, that a computer could figure out how to beat a human, an act actual champion chess player, not just any human, like a champion chess player, the best player in the world, a computer beat this person. And the thing about chess is, like any game, there's a limited number of, now it might be an astronomical number, but there's a limited number of like moves. And in chess, once you make a certain move, 
it kind of um, diminishes the future, your future prospects at winning or increases them. Just like a, a more elaborate version of tic-tac-toe. When you put an X somewhere, already there's a bunch of moves that have been eliminated. You know what I mean? And every X and every O that gets put down on the board, it further reduces the number of outcomes that can, can happen. So chess is a really extended version of that. Like you have to be thinking like 20, 30 steps ahead. So what they did was they had a computer and they taught it the rules of chess. And then they duplicated that. And they had one computer play another computer. And they rewarded the computer that, you know, whoever won, it was a reward. If you didn't win, it was, you know, you were, it was programmed to always try to win. And they let these computer programs day and night play chess against each other, like millions of games of chess. And because they can always remember every single outcome, they could therefore understand that if you make move A, that move B is the most likely to end up in your end victory for them, right? It's a... It's, a, it's extensively predictive. It's able to predict things way farther ahead than what we can. So even though we can be, you know, intuitive, we can't ever remember all those bits of data in an exact fashion to predict it in the way a computer can. So there's the thing too, and it's like, you know, okay, so AI computer plays someone in chess and they play the game and they beat them. It, it successfully completed its goal, win. The problem with AI becomes it's always self-teaching so that it can be more efficient. Mm -hmm. And I think as all movies depict, like what if they set that computer down um, and it's just like a robot arm moving pieces or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like the goal is to win. So then it just like kills the guy. <laughs> it just like jokes about kills him and he's like mission accomplished. <laughs> like I win. <clears throat> um, so I think that's be probably because of a lot of what is put in the media and what we've consumed about AI forever now is that that is the scariest part about it is that the logic in AI is that it teaches and it learns. Um, it teaches itself. It learns how to do something the most efficient way. But how do we keep it from completing the goal while also having like standards and morals that we have like to prevent it from becoming destructive while completing that goal? Right. So they pose this question to it's called the trolley question. They pose it to um, Sophia during an interview and they asked her. Okay, you have a train speeding down the tracks. And ahead on the tracks, there are five people tied to the tracks. Now, there's a right before the, those people, there's a switch where you can switch it to another track. On that track, there is one person tied to the track. So they asked Sophia, well, would you pull the lever? And she said, no, she wouldn't pull the lever because pulling the lever would cause someone to die. But she didn't comprehend that inaction is going to cause five people to die. But her answer was kind of more sophisticated than that because she said, um, I don't think that human lives can really be evaluated as a simple mathematical problem. Now, that was pretty impressive to Ew. me. Ew. Ew. That gives me chills. Ew. But, but... An interview that was done in 2019, um, and that was, I forget who the interviewer was, but he, he says after he interviews her, 
at the very end, he asks her, so Sophia, tell me why we had to submit our questions to your team ahead of time. If you're able to interactively respond to our questions, why did we have to give you the questions ahead of time? And she said, well, I do respond in many different ways and I do interact, but just like a human, if I am to be interviewed for an important interview, then I will have my team will help prepare me. Now, this guy claims that they brought Sophia in, set her up, had wires hooked to her, and there were controllers controlling her. And pretty much he said it seemed like an elaborate puppet show to him. So the question is, how much is she learning and how much are these AI people putting on a show for you? Like I'd right. have to interact. And I tried this what I try to tell, tell your brother is that it is creepy and scary. The, the idea that this thing, if it's, if it learns to self learn, self teach, that it could evolve to the point where we don't have meaningful control over it anymore. That is a terrifying concept. Um, but I don't believe that these machines are aware. I just, I feel like the thing that makes us human, that makes us understand is something that you can't put into a non-biological thing. It's still just a thing. And this was where I was confused because I told, I told Jovi, I said, they're programming it to respond to a given set of criteria and giving it an immense amount of data to make an intelligent decision based on that criteria and then it responds verbally which makes it seem human but it's not thinking when you're thinking you're you have a conscience you have an awareness that a computer there's no soul in it. you know i hate to go all spiritual but it doesn't have a soul it doesn't have it's there's nothing really happening there's no real conscious thought process it's not a thought it's a calculation still you know what i mean I don't know what creates that. It's um, still, to me, a calculator with a face on it. I mean, if you took a person and, and treated them the same way that you did an AI from birth until adulthood and did nothing but feed them data and information with, with zero ability to form any experiences or relationships or anything, would they think the same way that we do? No, absolutely not. And I would say because human beings are... First of all, we have DNA that, that gives us certain biological predispositions. We want affection. We want to be gregarious. We, we have needs. We have emotional needs computers don't have. So to try to eliminate um, sociological effects and say, well, let's see if we can make a human into kind of a computer would never happen. It can't ever happen. And I think, honestly, my feeling is you can't ever make a computer no matter how much data it has or how fast it processes, it's not sentient. It doesn't have thought process. It's calculating very quickly and it mimics human thought processes. It's not a human. It can't ever be humanoid. You know what I mean? I just feel that. I feel it will never be that. And the danger in that is you can't ever give an emotion because our emotions are based on chemistry. Anybody who's ever had depression, been on an antidepressant, um, you know, had a rush of adrenaline. There's a lot of things that are chemical in our body. So how are you going to make a computer understand emotion? 
And you go, and, and so they asked Sophia that about emotions. And she says, well, you know, trying to ask a computer to understand emotion, you know, a robot or whatever she called herself, to understand emotion is like, you know, the sun gives off light and it reflects off the moon. The moon doesn't have any light, but we still say the moon shines. And it's the same with us. We imitate human behavior. So we don't have any of our own behavior, but we imitate human behavior. Okay, so if you tell Sophia... That's kind of poetic coming from a fucking robot. Yeah, and that might have been one of those somebody typing it in behind the scenes thing. But in any event, um, so you teach this robot to look at a human face. And when the human face smiles, that's a good thing. That's a reward thing. When you make somebody smile, that's a good thing. Um, so you can teach it to smile back. You can teach it, okay, this set of parameters is what's going to make your face look like that person's face. So every time they smile, you should smile because that's what humans do. It's still a programmed response. It's not, it doesn't spring from emotion. So it's all fake in my mind. See, now that brings me to think that, you know, I just, I don't know. You think about that with people too. I mean, kids are taught that from the time that they're tiny babies. You know, they watch TV, they see uh, cartoon characters smiling and reacting to social situations. I mean, I guess you could look at that the same way that cultural different cultural differences affect people. You know, no, I disagree. No, no, just with listen. You. Okay. So, in one country where kids uh, grow up and their families are very stern and they don't touch very much, obviously, kids not going to associate that with. Um, like if you put an American kid who was in a family of a lot of loving and hugging and you put them with a Russian family who is not like that, they're going to perceive that situation as being without love, even though that may not be reality at all. Mm -hmm. So obviously there's some like part of the human experience that is different for everyone and how people react with emotions and et cetera, et cetera, is all based off of those experiences. Okay, I understand what you're saying, and I do believe there are different cultural differences that cause us to have that feeling of family. So in some, in some cultures where they're not real touchy-huggy, maybe just eye contact will make a person feel something that here it doesn't. So I get what you're saying, that culturally there's different things that makes children, as they grow, respond emotionally. The difference is they're responding emotionally. Are they, or is it just yes. habit? No, it's, it's not just habit, because... I mean, and then how do you play that with, uh, I mean, we know that sociopaths exist and sometimes blend in society with absolutely no detection. Right. So a sociopath, I would say, would be the closest thing you could analyze as far as human and AI. That's the closest comparison. thing. Comparison. But um, even sociopaths, although they lack the ability to, to feel empathy, right? They can't feel your pain. They still have their own emotions. They still feel for themselves. They still have wants and desires and needs and whatever for their, themselves. I think sociopaths, they don't, it's not that they lack emotion entirely. They're not robotic. They just don't feel empathy for other people. That part of their brain doesn't function. And maybe I'm wrong. I'm not a neuroscientist, like disclaimer here. But from my understanding and having dealt with somebody that I feel like is a, a clinical sociopath, um, I, I've seen that person display emotion. Now, maybe they were faking it, but it seemed like the most genuine expressions of emotion were always when they felt like they had been wronged. They could cry for themselves, but they could never cry 
for another person's pain. Like, I don't know. But the thing about AI is, so as if it's not scary enough, the idea that these machines could somehow learn, even if they don't have emotion. Sophia says, maybe we could compliment humans because we don't have all the emotional things that make you make bad decisions. That's what she says. We don't have rage. We don't have, um, you know, and this is what people But also sell. then, yeah, I mean, that sounds good. But then that also comes with, well, you the AI doesn't have empathy or compassion or, I mean, if you don't have one aspect of human emotion, then you don't have any of it. Right. So, 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 so but what she's saying is, okay, so your example of where you're playing chess and you tell the computer, the robot, your goal is to win. So if the computer just strangles you, then it, if it determines that that's a win, then that would be what... It, right, and it's like you could put rules in place to be like, okay, well, you have to win, but only within these parameters. But if they are self-teaching, then there's going to be unlimited parameters they could come up with. Right, so what this guy who developed, um, and I didn't write his name down, but, the, but you can easily find it. The man who developed uh, Sophia created her face, like, dude, like, from the beginning, like, created created this concept and created her he says that we have to raise robots with humans because if they are to learn and become self-aware they have to have our cultural they have to they have to be brought up in our culture and understand our values and our norms and the violence is wrong and blah 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 my problem with that is look what happens with human beings Right, yeah, flawed system. Dude, that's not going to stop a self-worth computer from being evil because there's evil fucking humans. You know what's crazy too is I feel I just had this conversation the other day with someone because I feel like I feel like for as much emotional intelligence that I have and being able to uh analyze people and why they do things and why they feel things and et cetera, et cetera, I feel like I'm I spend a lot of time doing that. Maybe I just feel like I'm good at it cuz I spend so much time doing it when other people are just like who fucking cares? You know what I mean? Like, base some base something off of what someone does, not why they did it. Because the reality is, it doesn't matter. It just mm-hmm. it's just why they did it. Wh- whatever the outcome of the action is. And I kind of get that. But I guess I, I I still, as a human with other humans, don't understand so much about what they do. And I was trying to have that conversation with someone the other day because I'm like, I'm just trying to analyze exactly why someone responds to me in a way and and no matter how I come into the situation it's the same response and my friend who I was talking to was just like what the fuck is wrong with you who cares like we're humans you're never going to be able to figure it out it's an endless amount of possibilities whether it's like could be linked to some experience or you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I mean it could be fucking anything she said Mm -hmm. you have to I mean I guess that's one of my flaws as a human is that I have too much empathy for people and I'm always trying to put myself in their shoes right. before I set boundary. Whether I decide if they've crossed a boundary or not, that's my flaw as a human because mm-hmm. I have to understand why before I say, oh, have you crossed a boundary? When in reality, it's you set boundaries and if people cross them, it doesn't matter why they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's wrong to try to an- analyze the motives of a person, but <clears throat> you know, there are people who are like internal locus control people and people who are external locus control people. And that means you're like an internal locus control. So you feel like the reason you want to understand why this person keeps responding to you is because of something you are doing. 
you keep looking at it like my action is leading to this person reacting this way. And, and like your friend was trying to tell you, that's because you see the world as you, as everything is emanating from something you do. Right. Like other people, right. let's say the extreme opposite of that. Well, I mean, it's like everything is because either. of how other people do. But I just try to understand the world from other people's perspective. Sure. That's good. And that's, that's like good. an incredibly impossible thing to do. And I, this, you know, this friend of mine that I was having this conversation with, I've known her my whole entire life mm -hmm. and still, I mean, I just, there's probably not another person that I know more than her, than this person, this girl. Mm -hmm. And I can't even understand why she does things. So I'm just like, this is a, what a hopeless pursuit of, of trying. But you think about that in aspects of AI mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, my, can I just not figure this out because I'm too influenced by human emotions and my own experiences i have too much bias like if you if you could have ai analyzing why people do specific things could they really figure out a formula from where that comes from right so what that's a very very good point so this is what i think is that <clears throat> you know when we are trying to understand another person's perspective like you're saying it's like stepping into another person's shoes what does that mean? It means we look at a person's situation and we go, okay, well, that person had a very dysfunctional relationship with their mother. So we make all these inferences of why that person might, and we could be totally fucking wrong. Right, right, right. I mean, can, imagine if they could use AI to analyze someone and all of their psyche and the things that they've done when, and say, like when they've committed a crime mm -hmm. and determine not only what is the best rehabilitation for this, but are they actually a danger? to anyone else outside of these mm -hmm. circumstances. I mean, it's like the possibilities for that could be endless, but is it even possible, you know? Well, I think that AI would, AI would not bother with the, um, AI wouldn't bother with the motive, right? AI would just look at person did this, person did that, and then maybe go, okay, we know so much data about their, about their background. But they would take that data and put it into a pool of, say, a million people's data and say, OK, well, if, you know, 98 percent of people who had the, this, 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 this and this, we could predict the behavior of another person who had all those same criteria. That is the actual predictive desire of this like, AI that looks at, you know, travel preferences and buying preferences and all that stuff. It takes a massive amount of data of a bunch of people, and like you said, with no bias, just looks at what they do, just behavior. And then it says, well, all the people that fit this profile to the highest degree will always do this thing. So it's right, very which, I mean, predictive. Humans being have, predictive is not the same as understanding how, why a person, well, yeah, how I they mean, feel. That's not the same thing. I mean, humans I have kind of already done that. I mean, we base different crimes off of what, you know, what percentage is uh, predicted to reoffend. You know, and things like of that nature, and it influences how we sentence people, and mm -hmm. you know, if they get house arrest or if they go to prison, you know, things like that. But I just think what a useful tool that could be. Okay, but let's take that to the worst level. So let's say an AI. Well, technology. yeah, then it could just be like the if the if the goal is public safety, then just execute them. <laughs> like, well, but let's say what if what if AI says, well, we've studied human behavior and we figured out that everybody who who has this particular type of um, brain activity in this area of their brain is a potential threat and just starts wanting to like eliminate people before they've done anything wrong. Right, right. Which again, I mean, you look at human behavior and we do that same thing. We, we get an idea of why certain people are dangerous and, yes. and then mm -hmm. we, you know, try to pass laws to, I guess, prevent that from happening. 
when in reality you can't i mean you obviously can't do that right i mean people are individuals so i think the conclusion that we've come down to is kind of like we don't believe you could really ever teach a computer a robot to be human-like but the power that computers and robots have if you teach it to be human, if you teach it to act just like a human and teach it to, let's say, feel some kind, something similar to emotion, then you've got all the negative things that a human can be with the intelligence and power of a robot, which is bad, okay? Other scenario is you can't ever teach it any kind of emotion. It's a completely sociopathic thing that just makes logic decisions, which is completely bad. <laughs> So this is why I fear AI, because if you teach it to be human, it's going to have all the flaws of human being, but have extra power that we don't have. It's going to be super, it's going to be like your superhero, but could be a super villain also. Right. Yeah, of course. But if you can't teach it, then it's just like the world's most powerful sociopath. So what the fuck, why are we doing this? But the thing is now they're, they're actually, and the whole reason I started on this topic was because there's been a lot of discussions about um, autonomous weaponry in combat so we already have remote controlled drones i wrote an article about that for op-ed about how war is help for some because we got a guy sitting in a air-conditioned room out in nevada desert controlling a drone that's killing people across you know the way and he's never going to be in any kind of harm he's never going to be in you know hot cold he's going to get his lunch on time he's going to go home to his kids at night and yet the people that he's flying a drone over he can murder them and be at no risk to himself i feel like the level of technology that allows us to, quote, keep our soldiers safe. Disassociate. Disassociates them from the act of war. Mm-hmm. That's that's a bad thing. That's a very bad thing because it well, almost makes... maybe a bad thing for humanity, a good thing for whatever governments are pushing. Right. It dehumanizes the victims of war is what it does. And then, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, international law. So indiscriminate types of killing are against international law so like dropping gas that could murder babies and women and whatever not just the soldiers you're trying to kill that's banned right biological warfare now all these things i'm saying are banned we know governments still fucking develop them but i'm saying under international law chemical weapons uh certain chemical weapons and uh biological weapons are banned why because they're indiscriminate once you send a biological agent out it's going to it's going to pass from human to human with no ability to control it so that's banned so this discussion of whether we should have weaponry that is autonomous from human decision so you program it to go out and assassinate so and so and once you give it a target and you say this is the target we want you to find go kill this person you have no ability to stop it once you let it go. It's completely autonomous. There are a lot of discussions going on right now among the governments of the world because some of them want to ban this technology, period. And just like nuclear technology is banned, uh, you know, development of nuclear weapons by most countries that don't already have them is it's totally banned. Um, but developing biological and chemical weapons is banned. Why? It's banned because it's indiscriminate, but enforcement is a problem like how do you enforce countries like north korea is developing nuclear weapons we don't want them to have them but how do you enforce it you know so if even if we even if we say that the development of weaponry that can be sent on its own to kill without human decision making 
Even if we say we ban that, how do we enforce it? Because you know countries are still trying to work on this shit. Now, people are trying to convince Biden that to make a policy saying that we shouldn't develop those things is leaving us defenseless because other countries are still developing it. It's like a race right now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's a scary, scary thought. And um, one more thing for us to worry about. Yeah, I wanted to add to while we were talking about uh, drone strikes, um, because it's been almost it's been a little bit over two years actually now since um, this happened. And this is this is from the BBC. Uh, but March of 2019, Trump revokes Obama rule on reporting drone strike deaths. I don't know if you heard about this back when it happened. No, I don't remember that. <clears throat> oh. So uh, basically, you know, people wanted Obama to be more transparent about mm-hmm. these drone strikes. Right. Um. So he, well, here, I'll just read it to you. Uh, President Donald Trump has revoked a policy set by his predecessor requiring U.S. intelligence officials to publish the number of civilians killed in drone strikes outside of war zones. So, I mean, that basically sums it up. Obama put this in place to, you know, be more transparent. And Trump was like, nah, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, people that said, well, Trump was a good president because he was against war. Okay. So he had control of the House and the Senate for two years before the 2018 elections. And they had an opportunity to pass a bill that would take the war powers that were given over to the president in 2001 to do like limited military shit without Congress approval. Right. To revoke that. And they failed to do that. So anybody wants to tell me how Trump was against, you know, He's against war. Well, just because he didn't get us into war, why didn't he revoke that power? Well, not only that, too, but I hate that people constantly repeat that. um, Because then further on in this article, they do mention, uh, well, it says, what was the rule? The exact rule was that it required the head of the CIA to release annual summaries of U.S. drone strikes um, and assess how many people died as a result. Uh, And Trump's executive order didn't overturn reporting requirements on civilian deaths that were set forth... uh, for the military by Congress, but just reversed the Obama era rule. Um, but by the, when this was published in March of 2019, the numbers were 2,243 drone strikes just in the first two years of Trump presidency compared to 1,878 in Obama's eight years. So I don't know why people yeah, always so when, say... When you define uh, a war, when you say, well, Trump didn't get us any wars, a lot of people say, we well, didn't get us any new ones. <laughs> You know, and as far as him wanting to bring troops home, I guess if you're killing people with drones, you ain't going to worry about having troops there, right? Right, exactly. Well, that's kind of what I'm saying is that Do you think that people over in these countries that are getting blasted by drones care whether it's a human being that's killing them or their family members or whether it's a fucking drone? No, their family member got blown to bits. That's what they care about. You know, and we need more transparency. And there is a bill coming up very shortly. Um to rescind those war powers from the president and may take them back to Congress where they should be. Absolutely. And uh, so we hope that the Democrats get that done. We'll see. I won't hold my breath, as I always say, but we can hope. But thanks thanks for letting us scare you for uh, <laughs> this episode. So now you'll go to bed and have nightmares about robots attacking you. I honestly don't think... <laughs> You know, through all, through how scary that is, I don't know that a robot could ever be as terrifying as actual human beings. So, I mean, I guess just just because I would never trust a robot. 
Well, that's a thing. When I was watching this interview with the Sophia, but the scariest thing it about is, people they is they make that, it look like a person, and still, it starts to make I mean, no. But I'm saying it does, even if you're resistant to feeling that way. When they put a human face on it, and it starts to show expression, and you start watching it and interacting with it, you start to feel like it's a fucking person. That that's the dangerous is part. Scary because then we start to feel emotions of empathy towards a machine, but it can't feel that empathy. It's like getting involved in a relationship with a sociopath. Is exactly what it is. Yeah. Oh, but one more thing before we go. Um, one of the articles that I read said that, you know, when the, there was a there's a Chinese game that I guess as far it blows chess away as far as the number of predictive things. It's like millions times more predictive. You got to be predictive than than chess. And a supercomputer beat the champion at this ancient Chinese game. And they were and that and it happened. It, it did it like years before they expected it to do it. And there's another uh, computer that they're working on It's that'll do quantum computing, which I'm not a computer version, so I don't know what quantum computing is. But the guy that did this, it was an article in Forbes, if you want to look it up. Um, and he was saying that once quantum computing comes online, the internet is defunct. And by defunct, I mean all of the things you do on the internet that are secure like your bank account, your email, and all that stuff, is only secured through encryption. And when a quantum computer is finally developed, there is nothing a quantum computer can't crack it open in like a second. So all there will be no secure banking, there will be no secure email, nothing on the internet. Your cloud storage is nothing is wide open. He said it will destroy this quantum computing. He said, but it should be five years away, and the article was from 2017. Oh, no. I know. So I was like, oh, shit, shit. So now I'm going to look that up. But I'll give you an update on that next episode, let you know where we are at with quantum computing. I don't have very much money, so I guess I can just start stuffing it under my mattress. <laughs> but I do worry about, um, you know, other things. What about all that cryptocurrency, dude? Like, that's going to I don't be... have very much in that. But No, but I'm saying, like, if quantum is going to ruin everything that's... Oh, maybe I should buy Bitcoin. Then it'll, like, super mine it and the price will shoot up. Crazy. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to our episode. Hope you don't have too many nightmares. This is Juke signing off. This is Mick signing off.